This is episode 8 of H2H Sales Automation Podcast on how to build successful international sales teams. Let's build a business based on H2H, not B2B, but human-to-human sales and marketing automation. A human approach is the only one that sells. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Uh, my name is Bart, and I invite guests uh, for a short 20-minute interview to inspire you and uh, improve your sales and marketing the human way. Today, uh, I'd like to welcome Russell, Russell de Glish, um, serial entrepreneur and global community builder dialing in from Scotland. Uh, Russell works with many communities around the world, helping them to scale business internationally. Today's topic is how to build successful international sales teams, how to develop business internationally, Many businesses are trying to diversify now and considering to sell to new markets. Russell, within your network, I guess America is one of the top destinations. The question, if you're selling, let's say, in Edinburgh or Manchester or Scottish Highlands, and you're selling this successfully within a business, would you achieve success in abroad, like in America? What a great question, Barb. So to me, it's all about markets and all about where are my customers. So a a good way to have this discussion is to think about the fact we've got a product. So if we imagine we have a a, a physical product, um, I have a product here, a physical product, and what we want to do is, you know, we've kind of used our network to start securing sales. And then we've started to do marketing based on the, the profile of the first people we've sold to. And we've now started to got a business. You know, we've, we've identified in our home market the characteristics and profiles of our customer. And we also know the messaging and the value proposition that they will react to. So it's going great. And then typically what happens is someone from outside that market, you know, perhaps someone from the States, contacts and says, I would like to buy that product. And you go, well, this is fantastic. I'll sell to that person as well. And then maybe there's an opportunity to sell in America. So what would I have to do to sell my product in America? And and that's when it becomes really interesting because you can start to identify the characteristics of your customer in that new market because it might be completely different from what it is in your home market. So in your home market, you might sell to people who um, earn 30,000 a year and are um, uh, they, they typically like to buy things in retail outlets. That might be your customer at home. But your customer in your international market might be people who are very wealthy and they buy things online. So it's a different route to market to get to that individual. But also the really clever thing is it's a different value proposition. So the reason someone may wish to buy my product in Scotland, for example, Maybe because, um, well, let's, let's imagine a product like whiskey. So in Scotland, whiskey is a utility product. We go to the supermarket yeah. and we buy whiskey. That's it. It's just another thing to drink. But in international markets, this is a luxury product. It's a product that tends to be much more expensive in international markets. It's marketed in a different way. It's consumed in a different way. And it's very, very, very different. So that, that's a great example. So, so the marketing in Scotland for whiskey is quite straightforward. It's price. 
But the market for international markets may be round about a word that we'll use, which is quality. Now, it's the same product, so it's not really quality. It's about the quality of the brand value. And in those international markets, we see it through in different markets. We will see whiskies of brands that we don't recognise in Scotland, but we'll see them sold in international markets. So it's all about customising or localising your product or service for the international market you're going into. Now, of course, that includes things like language and culture and currency, but there's much more to that. It's about how do you, how do you get the maximum value for your product in that new market? So, Russell, very valuable insight. The first one I, I, I do remember about before you start and scaling the sales, yes, just try to use your network to make sure that this product fits. So the question is obviously how to go and find the sales, people who will help you to drive that sales, that growth of the business. And what you're saying is maybe invest something more into the market research, uh, finding how you can position your brand before you go and start recruiting the sales team. Yes, and it's, today, it's very easy to do research. So 40 years ago, when I started working, it was quite a lot of work. So when I wanted to do research, my first tool was a bus, because the bus got me to the library. And I would sit down in the library, and I would pull out um, documentation in order to give me insight into this new market I was trying to enter. It was a very complex process. And the best you could hope for would be the names of companies and then you would go through gatekeepers and reception. You know, it's a complicated process. For everyone today, it's unbelievably easy. You have something like Google and you can start doing research as easy as that. There are there are tools that I would advise people to use. So one, um, I, I don't think people really fully utilize Google. So Google's got a command structure for doing searches, and one of those commands is the file type command. So um, the file type command's really powerful. So if you go into Google and you just search something, you'll come up with a website. But using the file type command, you can start controlling what the search is looking for. So for example, if I was looking to do research into the spirits market in Canada, I would go into Google and I'd type in, I would look for and reports into that market. So the way I'd find them is I would do file type colon PDF. So I would say I'm only looking for PDF documents. And then I would start to use the search string. So the search string would be Canada spirits market. And then once you adjust the search string you're using a little bit, a good word to use is trains, um, you'll come back with a report. And the report will tell you, the report will be produced by one of the big four consultancies or a major player or a university. And it'll give you all the information you could probably ever want to know about that market. So that's great because that'll typically give you information about the competitors as well. So you can research their websites and see how they sell. But when it comes to doing research today as well, I, I'm a great believer in using communities. So, for example, if we take that scenario whereby I wanted to sell a new spirits-based product into the Canadian market, I would go onto LinkedIn and I would find people I know who use the word, who have got the word spirits as part of their LinkedIn profile and are based in Canada. Now, I've put in the hard work over the last 20 years in building up a global community, 
So I've got these people that I can go and contact. And what I do is I drop them a message and I say, hi, I'm doing some work about a new product. Could you give me your thoughts on the opportunities for this product? And what happens is people come back and they say, oh, I've got a mate who does that, Russell, I'll introduce you. Or, oh, Russell, um, there's, a, there's a, been a big report in the paper about this. Or, oh, I know that friends of mine would want to buy this. And they give you all of this insight to get going. The next thing you need to do is typically is to find a local partner. It's very difficult selling into international markets on your own. But if you can find a local partner to help you, they can typically take a, a you can pay them on a percentage of the margin you make and then they can sell it locally. You might be very fortunate where they decide to take um, block shipping where you know you ship them 100 items and they sell them locally or they may represent you or they may go and sell. So there's a lot there about the benefits of using partners. And, and partners is all about a risk. You identify someone, you start working with them and if it works, great. If it doesn't work, drop them and find another partner. I think you actually covered all uh, aspects of international sales uh, <laughs> in 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 a in a really nutshell. I have to say the one I would definitely uh, recommend to all of our listeners is to utilize their own networks. Sounds a bit yeah easy, but then when you look at the way uh, the complexity that you can get out of the insights of the people who used to work because that's a trust. The reason partnership probably won't work is the same as with people's relationships is because it just doesn't work and we need to have a little bit of time to adjust uh, into the markets but uh, so once we identify the partner or maybe we will have our direct sell maybe we will spend the time there so what would be the best approach is more kind of selling or helping to buy approach um i think it's about that to me the to me my world is about solving problems mm-hmm. and um it's interesting. I've I've just done a search on my LinkedIn. So I have five people who are first connections of mine who have the word spirits that appears in their um, LinkedIn profile. And one of them is a chap who is the owner and Scottish expert on the wine market in Calgary. Mm-hmm. So, no, no. The perfect example of the person to speak to. Um, now, now you, you, your question, Bart, about how to actually move that forward. I think that we have to realize the benefits in travel. There is nothing more useful than actually going to the market and seeing it firsthand. Once you've done some of your research and you've got some um, insight into the market and you've maybe started to talk to people, you've maybe started to sell some product, the best thing possible is to go there. And that's a very straightforward thing to do today. You know, in most markets, particularly, for example, if you're a UK citizen, you have a very powerful passport, they'll get you into most countries, go on a visitor's visa to go and visit there. But what I do is, before going on the trip, I do a couple of things. So one is, if you're a UK company, speak to the Department of Business and Trade. So the Department of Business and Trade in the UK, or Scottish Development International in Scotland, are organisations that are set up to help you. So if I, if I, so come back to my example, I'm going to sell spirits in Canada, I would go to the Department of Business and Trade and see how they could help me. Now, their help might be they can give me more research. What's quite good is they can probably give me insight into the legal requirements, which is very important. But they might also say, well, Russell, there are four major exhibitions in Canada on this subject. 
So you probably want to think about attending them. And actually, we're maybe thinking about going to one on a trade mission. So there's, you know, by talking to people, about, by socialising your plans, more people will be able to help you. Um, before I go on a trip, though, I do a lot of work. So what I do is I make sure that everyone is aware I'm going. So everyone here. So I would contact all the Canadian people I know in the UK and I would tell them I'm going to Canada. I would contact all the people in the spirits industry and tell them I'm going to Canada. And they then start opening up additional meetings for me. And what I want to do is if I'm going for four or five days, I want to fill every minute of every day with a meeting. I want to go 20 meetings in a day, bang, 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 because I want to capture as much insight as possible. I use products such as Otter to record the conversations when I'm there. So rather than having to worry about all my notes, I can use I can use my phone to record every single conversation I have. I then transfer that into a text file, and that's really useful then because it can remind me of the conversations I've had. But I can also do data searches across this, so I can so I might be thinking, well, a couple of people have said this, and then I can search and find them and look for more information about it. So it's it's trying to get as much information as possible. When I travel and I'm there, I'm very loud on social media. I want everyone to know that I'm there. I want them to know my purpose of my trip. And I want to make it clear that I've got time in my diary to meet additional people while I'm there as well. And what happens is you might not be able to meet all the people on your trip, but because you've gone, you've established that connection and you can do a follow-up meeting with them or Zoom or something when you get back. What I really like about this approach is the human approach, the actually meeting the people. And this is sometimes thing that is missing about uh, sales and marketing, that we tend to actually send only messages or send the random information to someone who might not be ready for to receive that. While what you're saying, Russell, is yes, the, the relationship will open the doors for the conversation that might lead either to get in front of the buyers, but maybe a little bit of inspiration, or maybe at some point it will give you the idea to have different directions for the products or service that you want to aim to. You're absolutely correct. You know, like I, I get um, inundated with people with um, automated email systems, and um, I've not bought anything. I've not accepted a meeting from anyone who sent me an automated email. It's really strange. If one of those people with the automated email systems had cold called me, I would have had a conversation with them. They might have got somewhere, but they've decided on a particular approach. And I, I don't know if it works for them. It's great, but um, I, I can't see. I, I can't logically see how it works. And the primary reason I can't see how it works is you're not having a conversation to understand what I want to buy. That is the research part, and uh, I really like this idea of recording the conversation, oh, yeah. having a text file. The reason for that is in the internet, and as you rightly said, in Google you can find different things that everyone can get access to. Mm -hmm. This is something that everyone gets access to. But that your text file, your conversation, the data that you have after this is your first part data, it's your data. This yeah. is your insight. You're building basically your report in front of your business, and that will allow you to make a decisions, proper decisions in terms of moving forward. You're quite correct. And there's something about the people thing as well. So on this, this imaginary journey we've been on, I've been to Canada, I've been there for five days, and I've held 20 meetings every day. So that's 100 people I've met with. Wow. 
Those hundred people are now my friends. So those hundred people, my job is to keep them updated on my plan. They've, they've, they've had the courtesy to meet with me, so they're now actually interested in me. They're quite So I, I will then send them all a message, and it's not a message that goes, hi, thank you for meeting with me. It's a message that says, I'm now back in Scotland. So much I've enjoyed so much hearing all the insight you're able to share with me. I will come back to you in two weeks and tell you what my next steps are. And then in two weeks' time, I go back and give them an update of what my next steps are. And what happens here is I've now got a community. I've now got a group of people who all are interested. They will accept my email. They will accept my message because they're interested in the journey that we're going on together. And another keyword to everyone is a journey and community. I really love it. If you want to sell uh, internationally or domestically, take your prospecting as a journey uh, and think about involving community in order to achieve that goal. Stick with people who are pretty much with the same values uh, or maybe they are already established like uh, Brilliant Scottish Business Network uh, that you've set up, Russell. That is, I think, the, the very powerful example of how not to lose the money on the international uh, expansion. I, I think there's something else as well about um, asking people for something they can say yes to. So um, if I was to go and see, uh, I was with a large multinational today. Now, I could have gone to see that large multinational to ask them for sponsorship money, to ask them for support, to ask them for access to their customers. Instead, I asked them if I could use their office in London to host an event. So they said, oh, that, that would be good. We, we would be interested in exploring that. Let us check, Russell, how we find out about you using our office in London. So what I've done is I've found something that they can say yes to that will deepen our relationship. Because if I end up putting on an event in their London office, that means that I'm in. I, I'm there. I'm working with them. I'm now a partner. They're interested to hear how the event went. They may receive positive feedback. If my event's good, their team in London might go, hey, Russell and his team were fantastic. So think about things people can say yes to and ask for that. And it could be for some as simply as having, if someone is enjoying playing golf, something that will kind of keep the conversation going outside of business to build that relationship. I truly believe this is the, the one of the best way to find either business partner, sales team, or anyone who will help you to to sell internationally. We're reaching so, about 20 minutes, uh, uh, Russell. Uh, yeah, you want to say something? Yes, so, so it's something about playing your part. Uh -huh. So if, if someone was to come to Scotland from Texas and they, had, they wore a big cowboy hat, I would accept that as normal because I would assume people in Texas perhaps wear big cowboy hats. And that's really familiar. No one's ever going to forget <laughs> meeting that person. So when I, go to, when I go to America, and perhaps we're going to a formal dinner, I'll wear a kilt. Because people are going, well, Russell's from Scotland, and he's yep. wearing a kilt. And trust me, once someone's seen me in a kilt, they don't forget the experience. <laughs> so so it's, it's playing to those um, stereotypes in our world to your benefit. So the fact that, you know, if, if Andy Murray was playing tennis that day, people would assume I would be interested. You know, because it's those things that people yep. identify with being Scottish. So it's and it's to use those stereotypes within your own society, your own community, your own sector, to to your advantage. And always, always, everything in sales is about trying to imagine 
what it's like to be on the other side of the table. My side of the table doesn't matter. What's important is what's Bart thinking? What does Bart want to achieve out of this interview? Well, I presume if I was Bart, I'd want Russell to say things and to come across in a positive way which people would want to listen to this interview. So that's my job. That's the part I play in this particular sale. And it's also called uh, empathy to others. That empathy is uh, all about experiences, uh, communities, and yeah, and that kind of killed example uh, fits into uh, into all of this. And I, I really love it. I have to say I never learned a kilt, but maybe that's the one uh, and uh, another another one for me, another experience that I need to, uh, I need to cover for me. Russell, if you could just summarize briefly whether it is international or domestic, how to sell, how to develop business like a human? Well, I'll give you the one piece of advice which I think is most important of all. People want to buy from you. The reason they don't buy from you is they don't know you exist. So your job is to get find some way to be in front of that person so that they recognize you and your brand and they understand what benefit you will be to them. So that's your job. Your job's not to tell me what your product is. Your job is to, is to try to get me to understand how you're going to help me. That's your job. And people want to hear from you. So we have a um, we we all have to develop the the American psyche of making that call, going to that meeting, turning up, meeting everybody in the room. We need to perhaps stop being quite so shy as we tend to be in Europe, and we need to get out there and do it. Get in front of the people because people want to buy from you. I mean, this is fantastic, Russell. Thank you very much for your time. I know you're a busy man and. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I'll definitely uh, encourage all the listeners to go and find Russell Daglish on either LinkedIn or any social media connect. Plenty of different opportunities happening around your uh, business network, uh, Russell. So once again, thank you. I hope you all enjoy our conversation. Uh, please subscribe to our channel, whatever is the app or Spotify, and reach out if you would like to be uh, our next guest speaker. Thank you. Thank you, Bart. Let's build a business based on eight to eight, not B2B, but human to human sales and marketing automation. A human approach is the only one that sells. Wow.